This morning, the lesson we've taken from Nehemiah, as you probably realized from the scripture reading, <clears throat> if you don't get anything else from this sermon, I want you to realize that God is, will be with us if we but ask him and we do his word. It's important as we study the book of Nehemiah that we realize what he accomplished, how God led him, how his people followed him, and how he overcome adversity from the people who were opposing him. I struggled with the best way to present this because I think I bit off more than what I could chew because I was intending to do the first seven chapters of the book. Originally, I was planning on doing the whole book, and I thought, that's nonsense. There's no way that's going to happen. So we're just going to study this morning the first six chapters. I would like to go through and sort of hit the highlights, then we'll go back through and emphasize the things that I found interesting on God's word of how we can apply it to ourselves. Nehemiah met some of his brothers that were coming back from Jerusalem. And he asked them, how are my people doing? And the response was rather disturbing. He said that they had survived, but they were in great trouble and shame. And the walls were broken down, and the gates were destroyed by fire. And immediately upon hearing this, Nehemiah had compassion. And he wept, and he mourned for many days, and he fasted, and he prayed. And he prayed the prayer that was our scripture reading. And you could tell how deeply moved he was by the situation that was in Jerusalem. He wanted to do something about it. And then he identified what he was. I was a cupbearer to the king. He had a little bit of authority. So he continued to do his job. He went back to the king. The king said, you're not unhappy very often. I've never seen you unhappy. Why are you unhappy now? And he says, how can I be unhappy? How, how can I be happy? Because my people, the places where my fathers are buried, their graves, the walls are torn down, my people are all in shame, and the gates are burned. How can I be happy? And the king said, what are you asking? So he prayed to God. Nehemiah prayed to God to have the right answer. He was always turning to God. And he asked the king, can I go back there? Can I correct this situation? And the king goes, um, how long are you going to be gone? Nehemiah thought about it for a while, and he answered. And he said an answer that was appropriate to the king. And the king said, you have my permission to go. Nehemiah, pushing boundaries, said to him, well, I'm going to need some things to get this job done. Can you sign some papers for me so whenever I get there, I'm able to actually proceed with the work? king says, I can do that for you. 
So then the, she, scheme, the scene switches over to Nehemiah at Jerusalem. He's there for three days. And it appears as though he's not doing anything. Just observing. He goes out after night on his donkey and he goes around the whole wall of Jerusalem. Nobody there with him. Nobody knows what he's doing. And he observes each individual spot. Each important spot in the wall. And there's places where the donkey was too wide. He couldn't even get through. Nehemiah went there too. Went all the way around. He came back and he had a plan. He went before all the people of Jerusalem, the nobles, the priests, and all the Jews, the officials, and the rest who were due to do the work. It's chapter 2, verse 16. He said to them, I see the trouble you are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with the gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of God that may be upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. That was their answer to this problem. That was the answer to the challenge that God had given them through Nehemiah. Let's do this. So after they had done that and started, each person had a section of the wall and his family. They were responsible for that. They were responsible to build that wall as best they could. As you go through chapter 3, it tells of a lot of the professions. They weren't masons. They weren't bricklayers. But they did the job. For challenge, go through there and just read how many times it says the word repair. It says so-and-so repaired, so-and-so repaired, this guy repaired, this family repaired. It's almost like a key word. Well, they got halfway done with this wall. And there was these guys that came up, Sambalat and Tobiah and Gershom. They were not happy because they thought that the Jews were going to take over the area and they were going to lose all their influence. So they went up to the wall and Sambalat says, you can't do this. What are you planning on doing? You cannot do this. This is not what's supposed to be done. Tobias says, that wall looks so horrible that if a fox jumped up on top of it, the whole thing would fall down. But the people kept working. What did they do? <clears throat> they remembered who God was. And they remembered their purpose, that they had to build that wall. It made their opponents very angry. So they called back all their people who were opposing the building of this wall. And so the response was 
the Jewish nation posted guards. Half of them worked, half of them built. Half of the, well, half of them built, and the other half were armed, watching, making sure that no harm was to come to the builders. But when this happened, they saw that they were safe. It went so far as to say every worker had a sword at his side while he was working. He was protect, they were protecting themselves. And they had a horn, and this horn was blown, and everybody knew that they were supposed to go to the area the horn was blown to protect that area of the wall. They were prepared. They had a plan. And then they had another problem. Some of the people were so poor, they had to mortgage their stuff so that they could continue with the work. And they had fellow Jews who were charging them interest on these loans. And it got to the point where they were even giving their daughters over as slaves because they couldn't pay back what they owed. Nehemiah was furious at this. And he called them together and he said, this isn't right. What are you people doing? These are your brothers. Why are you treating them this way? He said, the solution to this is you're going to give back everything, and you're going to give back not only that, but you're going to give back the interest that you charged. Because this is what God wants. And as a result of this, he called the priests together, and he says, you make sure that they honor this vow. They keep their promise. He says, anybody, he took his robe, and he shook it out. He says, anybody who does not follow these rules will be shaken out by God. Their inheritance will be gone. And as a result of this, the people who had the loans were forgiven them. <clears throat> and the work continued. And things were done the way God wanted them to do. Then it shows a contrast in Nehemiah's generosity. As a governor... He was permitted to take taxes from the people. And as an example that he had for the things that he wanted for the nation, he did not take any of the taxes. He provided for himself, and not only for himself, but the people who were around him, the close people that were around him. He didn't take anything from the people. Well, as the wall neared finishing, it's interesting what happened his opponents came back. And this time, it wasn't just with words. They had a plan. It's funny how opposition sometimes has a plan whenever it comes to good having a plan. And they always clash. The three, Sambalat and Gishim and Tobiah, came back to threaten. But it came in a subtle way of doing things. They sent him a message to Nehemiah, and they said, how about you come down here and talk to us about this problem? How about you come over here and we'll come to an agreement? And the Bible says that they were up to no good. They intended to harm Nehemiah. They didn't do this once. They didn't do it twice. They didn't do it three times. They didn't even do it four times. They did it five times thinking that he was going to give in. 
Nehemiah says, no, how can I do that? I got work to do and I just can't do that. He says, all those things that you're making, you're saying, they're on your head. I don't plan to become king. I don't plan to, to revolt against the king. You're all just thinking crazy thoughts. So they decided, well, we'll change directions. He's not falling for this. We'll change directions. So they send a prophet. The prophet tells Nehemiah, you know you have somebody that's going to come in and kill you. I think you need to go to a temple where it's safe. If you go to a temple, no one's going to bother you while you're in a temple. Nehemiah says, that doesn't sound like it's from God. I'm supposed to be out there with the workers guiding them. God has put me in charge of this product, project. How can I hide away in a temple where God is if God's telling me to be out there working? So he said, nope, not going to happen. So the last part, it's interesting how long it took them to actually get this done. 52 days to build up a wall that the gates were burned the wall was torn to pieces 52 days how were they able to accomplish this it was because they relied upon God they did their part but they relied upon God it's interesting that once they heard this the enemies let's just read from Nehemiah 6.15 and following. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu. In 52 days, and when all the, our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell clearly under, and fell greatly in their own esteem. And they perceived this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Isn't that great? They knew, because they had done what they were supposed to do, the enemies knew who God was. They knew that he had helped them. And they fell on their own eyes. Their self-esteem had fallen because they knew they didn't have a God like that. They knew that they, their gods were blind, deaf, and speechless whereas our God was able to create this wall back from ruins in 52 days let's look at some of the things that we can learn from this story hopefully I retold it well enough that you'll be able to make the implications back in chapter 1 sometimes news that we hear changes everything in our life It's something that touches us deeply. And we can only do this by listening to others' needs. We're so wrapped up within ourselves that the only thing we think about is ourselves. We'll never understand what God wants of us. We will never understand the purpose of our lives. We have to be open to others' needs and listening to them. As a result of this, Nehemiah wept. And he fasted and he prayed to God. And he didn't do this just for one or two minutes. 
He didn't do this as we sometimes do at movies where we're touched and we feel bad for a little bit. This touched him to the very core of his life. There has to be something, if we're listening to others, that we will be touched to the core of our life. It will bring us to tears. It will cause us to pray. It will make us look for solutions for the situation. Next, in his prayer, he confessed the sins. Not only of himself and his fathers, but of the others around him, his whole nation. He looked inwardly, and then he looked outwardly, and then he looked back inwardly. He put checks and balances in place by using God's word. The things that God's word had said to him, he repeated in his prayer. And it caused him to have the correct state of mind, the correct attitude towards what was going on. In verse 8, he remembered the word by praying it. Remembering the word is part of the realization that the world about the world around you and the true nature of the task that you are about to undertake. And then in verse 11, he remembered who he was. He was the cupbearer to the king. He had responsibilities. He had to take care of those responsibilities. So in verse 1 of chapter 2, he continued to serve the king. The king noticed something was wrong, but he did his best to do what was right for the king. And then in verse 4, he remembered God. Then verse 6, after you've asked God to help you, as he did in verse 4, he went to the people around him, the people he knew, who he knew had authority. And they helped him. Why? Because God had it in his heart to help him. Because he had asked God to help him. Chapter 2, verses 11 and 13, tells about what he did before he said anything to anybody else. Know what you're going to do before you open your mouth. Think it out. Don't just go off the cuff. This is our plan. Then he communicated his intentions in verses 16 and 17. Not only did he say what he was going to do, he invited others to complete the task with him. Get others involved. If you have a problem that you think needs solved, that you see, and you've asked God for help, and you've asked others for help, get other people involved in your work. Not all of us have to be leaders. Some can be followers. You're a leader at some level in your life. And you can lead other people. But God has provided a plan for us. It is our job to implement it. Chapter 3. Each was to do his portion of the work. Everyone worked. 
You didn't see people. Well, there was one example he thought he was too good for, if you read in chapter 3. But everybody had his family working. It was the nobles, by the way. They, not the nobles here, but nobles. I saw Charity react to that. <laughs> it's interesting that even though they had uh, the work to do, each of them tried, even though they had different professions, they all repaired. Something that we know that we can repair, we should be able and willing to repair, is a relationship of the world with God. Jesus tried. He died upon the cross. He repaired that situation upon the cross. But not all people accepted it. And that brings us to the next point. Identify your opponents and address them. What would have happened if Nehemiah would have said to Symbolat, Gershom, and Tobiah, nothing? If he just would have let them go. Do you think that wall would have got finished? The people would have been so discouraged by what was going on that there's no way it would have been finished. Chapter 4. Opponents were all angry. Verses 1 through 3 told, tells how angry they were. They were very angry. They wanted this stopped, and they didn't want it tomorrow. They wanted it stopped today. What was Nehemiah's response to this? Verse 4, he prayed. He goes right back to his source of power, right back to the person who's going to help him build this wall. Our God in heaven was the one who did this wall. And what was the response? Verse 6. The people had a mind to work. I wonder sometimes whether we have the mind to work or whether we want to be like the Israelites during the golden calf. They rose up to play. Then, in verse 8, they wanted to be among them so they could sow confusion. God is not the author of confusion. The devil, our enemy, is the author of confusion. That was the way they could break them down, separate them, make it so the wall wouldn't work. Whenever you're confused, go back to the word. God will make sure you understand. We can learn in verse 18 that they carried their swords. For remember the armor of God, one of the things that's mentioned is the sword of God, his word. We are always to have the word with us. If you physically can't have it with us, we should have it mentally with us. That's the reason we're supposed to study, so we have it in front of us at all times. And if somebody takes it from us physically, they cannot take it away from us mentally that is where our strength lies because that is where we get our marching orders we get our marching orders from God 
from his word, who has spoke directly to us through his word, through this Bible. And whenever we neglect the Bible, we have no idea what God wants because we're going to mix it up with something else that we've come up with. And in verse 20, we find out God will fight for us. We have to defend ourselves with his word. But he will fight for us. He's the one who was going to be there when that horn blew. When trouble arose, he was the one who was there to fight for them. We learn also in the latter part of that chapter, there are some people, even among ourselves, who will oppress each other. This is a sad thing. It's true. Paul warned of this in Acts. There will be wolves who rise from among you. A way to handle that is the same way as we handle our other enemies. Go to them with a word. Confront them. It's also interesting that every time that the opposition comes back, they're more angry than what they were before. They can't let it go. In this world we see whenever things are going right for the church, the church has its enemies. Why? Because that's who Satan is. He opposes everything that God stands for. As he sees the time approaching, he's all the more diligent. It also shows that Nehemiah wasn't a burden. He was an honorable governor in verse 14. He's willing to sacrifice himself his comfort for the goal in verse 12. He didn't ask anything of anybody. He did the work and supervised it. And we learn also we are to honor our promises. Verses 12 and 13. And then the last chapter. Once again, we're talking about our enemies, the people who oppose us. They will plan to hurt us, and they will be very persistent about it. This is the way of Satan. He will tell nice little lies to us. Come over here and we'll discuss this. We'll come to an agreement. And all the time, what's in the back of their mind is to hurt us. This is what we learn from Nehemiah. They don't do it just once. Come out to us five times. You would think after the second or third time they get the idea. This isn't going to work. But no, they continued. Second plan to send a false prophet. They'll send someone in to make up some story so that we can just be off just a little bit from our goal. You know how tangent works. First, you're not very far from where you need to be. But the further you go, the longer it goes, the further you get away from your goal. And you end up not even recognizing where you are. You ever take a wrong turn on an exit? 
sometimes it's quite an ordeal to get back. But the further you go along that road, the more it takes to get back to your road you want to be on. He confronted them in verse 8 and verse 11. Always confront evil, your enemies. Do it in a, he did it in a kind way. He didn't threaten them. He just told them, you're not thinking right. I can't do this because this is what the Bible tells me to do. I don't have an option in this. This is what God told me to do. I can't follow you. Who are you compared to my God? Do not be afraid. It says this two times in the chapter, verses 9 and verses 14. Don't be afraid. You have God on your side. What's the worst they can do? They can kill you. And what happens after that? You are a martyr. You're going to heaven if you're found right with God. But if you stand back and you allow them to be who they want you to be, that's denying Jesus. That's denying our Lord. And the results are not going to be very pretty for anybody concerned in that situation. And what's the result after all this? After it took 52 days? Imagine a whole wall in 52 days around a whole city. That's amazing to me. What happened? They were afraid of our God. The very person that they were fighting against. The one that they had belittled. The one that they thought was stupid. After it was all over, they were afraid of our God. Just think what could be accomplished in this world if we were not afraid and we did what we were supposed to do. I'm preaching mostly to myself. I didn't know how this was going to go this morning. But to me, I'm realizing a lot of my shortfalls. We need to really examine what we are doing and where we're going and have that goal or we'll never accomplish it. And if we don't realize that it's with God's help that we get accomplish it, we're all lost. We cannot do this on our, by ourselves. If you're not a Christian, now's your opportunity. In Acts, we learn, in Acts 2, we learn that the people were pricked in their hearts. They had an emotional response to killing Jesus. And that emotional response resulted in the creating of the kingdom of God, the church. It wasn't just a passing, fleeting feeling. It was something that changed their lives forever. 
you have the opportunity this morning not only to become a Christian, but to repent if you need to, to come back to God, to reach his goals upon this earth, to build the walls up around the church so that we can be safe, but also to project his power, his glory, his awesomeness. Remember these things as we sing the song of invitation. Oh,